Good morning, church family. As I look out into some very confused faces this morning, it's evident that some explanation may be in order um, as to why I'm standing here and not Steve Smith. Um, if you're new or visiting with us for the first time, Steve Smith is one of our non-vocational elders, and he had agreed to preach in um, Pastor Ryan's place this morning. However, uh, life has a tendency sometimes to throw some curveballs. Um, mine came at about uh, 8.30 last night in the form of about a 100-mile-an-hour fastball um, when I got the message that Steve had fallen ill and would not be able to make it this morning. So Pastor Ryan and Steve and I discussed, and we decided to press on. Uh, so Steve was gracious to send me his sermon, and so after breathing into a paper bag for about a half an hour and um, diving into a caffeine and adrenaline-induced late-night sermon prep session um, and some serious prayer, uh, here we are. So Merry Christmas. Um, what a wonderful day it is to come together with you all and to worship through Scripture. Uh, with yesterday being Christmas Day, I hope that uh, you all had a wonderful time with family or friends, uh, perhaps eating a meal, sharing in some fellowship, but most importantly, celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Two Sundays ago, uh, Pastor Ryan spoke about watching movies that only come on during this time of year. Um, and how many of us know the lines to those movies, to many of our favorites, um, and we also know what the ending is. I would argue that if you've ever even found yourself watching a Hallmark Christmas movie, uh, you've pretty much seen all of them. And uh, based on the opening ten minutes, you could probably tell what the ending is going to be before even all of the characters are introduced. While not to the same extreme... This is probably applies to Christmas songs that we listen to, uh, that we sing or we hear on the radio at this time, of, this time of year as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not talking about secular songs like Frosty the Snowman or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, or Jingle Bells. No, I'm talking about those songs that praise and glorify our Messiah. You may have some favorites during this time of year, as, as I do, uh, like Silent Night, Away in the Manger, um, all is well. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Um, but sometimes we may hear a song that doesn't get played as much, and it might catch our ear. And that message that's in that song kind of puts this time of year into perspective uh, as to why we celebrate. There's a song by the band down here called How Many Kings, and the chorus goes like this. Because how many kings step down from their thrones... How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many greats have become the least for me? And how many gods have poured out their hearts to romance a world that is torn all apart? How many fathers gave up their sons for me? Only one did that for me. This chorus really hits home with the last two lines. How many fathers gave up their sons for me? Only one did that for me. So how do these words relate to the psalm we're about to dive into? Well, as we walk through the verses of Psalm 98 together, keep the words from that chorus in the back of your mind, and you will see the message begin to unfold. So now I'll invite you to stand as we look at Psalm 98. You can turn there in your copy of God's Word. If you don't have one, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, and you're welcome to take that with you this morning if you don't own a copy of God's Word. Psalm 98. O sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. 
He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the gift and the privilege of being able to worship you. We thank you for the salvation that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the joy that that brings us. Lord, as we just celebrated the birth of Jesus yesterday, Lord, that joy is still fresh in our hearts, as it should be each and every day. God, may we worship you with joy. May we sing for joy. May we preach and teach with joy. May we pray with joy. And may we live out our lives with joy. God, we love you and we thank you. Now would you bless our time together. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So Psalm 98 is part of six psalms that make up the enthronement psalms. Psalm 93 and then 95 through 99. These psalms celebrate God as the sovereign king over all creation. The opening of each of these psalms has a shout of joy to who God is, such as the rock of salvation in Psalm 95. The Lord is king in Psalm 97. And in Psalm 98, this theme continues about who God is, what he has done and what will be done. This psalm is full of worship, praise, and adoration. There's joy, there's gladness and excitement for the God of our salvation, the one true God who sent his son to be a sacrifice for us. So in verse 1, we see, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. There is joy in the Messiah's salvation. This prayer from the psalmist opens with a call to the people to sing a new song. But why? The second half of, the verse, of verse 1 tells us, For he has done marvelous things, great and mighty things, difficult and hard things, wonderful and miraculous things. Let's look at some of these marvelous things that the Lord has done for his people. We have the creation of mankind, saving humanity from complete destruction, the covenant with Abraham, the exodus of his people from Egypt and the battle of Jericho. These are just a few examples from Genesis and Exodus. And we may ask, how does God do these things? The second half of verse 1 states, by his right hand and holy arm. Who sits at his right hand? Jesus Christ. God did all these miraculous things in the same way God worked our salvation for us through Christ on the cross. By God's might and his holiness. The victory is his in the salvation of man. When writing to the church in Corinth, Paul expresses this in 1 Corinthians 15. 
verses 55 through 57. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God performed many miraculous things for his people. The greatest of these that God did, however, was the giving up of his Son to be born as the Savior for all who believe in him, so that our sins would be forgiven. The psalmist reveals this to us through verse 2. It says, The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. When someone does trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, uh, there's forgiveness of sin, a relationship with God, and eternity in heaven are just three of many wonderful ways their life is affected. Why would we not follow in the Israelites' footsteps and sing to the Lord for those things that he gives and does? Just like in Revelation 5.9, where the inhabitants of heaven rejoiced. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Here, the psalmist declares that we as believers can do this praising through song now because God has brought salvation to us through his Son. Continuing in the Christmas story, Luke 2, 10 through 11, it gives us a picture of salvation. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, salvation was made known to all the nations. God's grace is also shown to the nations through his actions, deeds, and redemption of mankind. What the psalmist shouts here is what Paul shares to the Christians in Romans 19, which says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. These verses not only declare individual redemption, but also as a restoration of all creation. The birth of Christ shows that God remembered his covenant with his people, as read in verse 3. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All of the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. God created everything out of nothing. His word proclaims that we are born again and a new creation when our faith in Jesus Christ is declared, as Peter shares in his letter in 1 Peter. According to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. By God's word, he will restore his creation to glory through the salvation in Jesus Christ, which has been shown to the ends of the earth. Isaac Watts, an English minister, theologian, and songwriter, informs us that the second coming of Christ is just as certain as his first coming. This same Savior, who came as a baby in Bethlehem, 
will one day return as King of kings and Lord of lords. So how do we praise God for the great things He has done? Let's continue in our passage as we see the joy in the Messiah's worship. Verse 4 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Now, verses 4 through 6 do not give a specific reason to shout, sing, and play instruments. So we refer back to the first three verses of the psalm to find the reasons with God's creation, salvation, and steadfast love. Within these verses, the psalmist gives us a glimpse of what it was like to worship Yahweh during the time of King David. This noise of joyous celebration can be found elsewhere in Scripture where the king may be greeted, as, uh, greeted such as in Zechariah 9.9, which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. According to the theologian Marvin Tate, the noise of temple worship was legendary. That's a wonderful word. It was legendary. Um, lasts throughout the ages. Two, two verses, um, one from Second Chronicles 29, with King Hezekiah and the whole assembly bowed in worship while the musicians played and the trumpets sounded. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshipped. And again in Ezra 3, when the temple was being rebuilt, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. All the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. The sounds of the instruments and the shouts of the people during their celebration could be heard from far away. What wonderful examples to follow to be able to worship God our Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. Now it's time to strike up the band as we get to verses 5 and 6. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. The psalmist continues to sing and play a loud, exuberant music to the Lord, bringing in the instruments to accompany the singing. Nothing should be held back during praise and worship. These instruments are what enlivened the temple worship. This is a wonderful example that we have today to follow in the footsteps of the ancient Hebrews when praising God our Father. When we praise God with song and music, it does two things. First, it evokes something deep inside of us to know that we can speak from our heart in song to God. And secondly, it's a beautiful way to rejoice in praise individually and together as the church coming before the Lord. We have an example to follow as seen in Second Chronicles 5. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and the singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. The house... The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Our efforts to praise God through music should be full of energy, enthusiasm, excitement, because we praise Him for His creation and redemptive plan of salvation through Christ Jesus.
continuing on in our passage, we see that there's joy in the Messiah's return. Starting in verse 7, Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Verse 7 and 8 speak of the, the whole world. The psalmist invites all of creation to add their own instrument to the praise and glory through song. Not only are the people giving praise and worship, the psalmist calls for the creatures and seas, as we see in Isaiah 55. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. The last verse here, verse 9, sums up the previous eight verses as to why we are called to sing a new song. Why the earth is called to rejoice. Because our Savior comes to judge the earth and all its inhabitants. We read how God will judge through equity and righteousness through His Son, Jesus Christ. As Acts 17, 31 states, Because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. We give praise to God for saving us, for blessings, for providing but how many of us would give praise to God for coming to judge us? Take a look at the two words being used to describe this today. Righteousness and equity. Both words relate to what is equitable and fair. During this time of judgment, we do not have to worry about God being arbitrary. God will never falter, nor ever make a mistake on His ruling. Psalm 96 provides a clear picture of what one will experience on the day of judgment. Psalm 96.13 says, Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Christians can have peace knowing that on that day of His return, and we stand before Him, the Lord will judge graciously. It was and is God's grace that has taken our sins and washed them in the blood that Christ shed on the cross. And we can sing a new song that day when the Lord has returned. So what? We may sing songs. We may rejoice. We may worship. We may play instruments to God our Father which is honoring and obedient. But is it genuine without having faith in Christ Jesus, having a relationship with Him? Titus 3, 4-7 states, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the great news. Faith in Christ Jesus 
who came to redeem and restore, we give praise, honor, and glory to him. So we take all of this in, and what do we do with it? Well, first off, we make sure that he is not just, just a Savior, King and Judge, but that we proclaim him to be our Savior, our King and our Judge. By God's hand, he secured salvation for all humanity. So, have you made him the Lord of your life? Have you proclaimed him to the nations? The second is giving him the praise, worship, and glory he deserves as our Lord and Savior, both individual and together as the church. Ephesians 9, or excuse me, Ephesians 5, 19 through 20 says, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Will we exalt him unashamedly? Rejoice over him each day? Celebrate his goodness? Will we proclaim to the world that he is our Lord and Savior? That he alone is the God of salvation? And that that is why we worship him? That's worship he longs for. Will you give it to him today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come before you and worship you. God, that you have given us the opportunity to share our hearts through song, to express the praise and adoration and thanksgiving that we have for you, for who you are and what you have done for us. Lord, we thank you that we can worship you individually and that we can worship you corporately, gathered together as the body of Christ, and that we can sing as one to an audience of one. And God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth to die, a perfect, or to die a perfect, as a perfect sacrifice, to live a perfect life, to die as a perfect sacrifice, to forgive us for our sins. And then three days later, rise from the grave and then ascend to heaven at your right hand. God, we thank you for this good news. We thank you for the gift of the gospel. And we thank you for the joy that we have in our Messiah. Amen.